0: Welcome to the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast, the show that brings you lively conversations with leaders, colleagues, and friends in healthcare, pharmacy, and beyond.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast. I'm Melissa Muir Corrigan, and I'll be your host. This is episode 29 of the Melissa R. podcast, and thanks for listening. Well, in March, we celebrated Women's History Month and recognized the important contributions of women in history and society. And as we move towards spring, slowly but surely, I'm also grateful for the pharmacists, student pharmacists, and pharmacy technicians caring for patients during the pandemic and working so hard on vaccine distribution and administration. Thank you. Well, now, on today's podcast, I'll be talking with Nancy Bell. Nancy and I are going to be discussing many things, including her mentoring experiences and passion for science. I'll give you a bit of an introduction to Nancy and then also let her tell you about herself, her career, and her many varied experiences in life in general. Nancy Bell is a medical outcome specialist working in the pharmaceutical industry She has also served on Drake University's College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences National Advisory Council. That's one of the ways that we've connected over the years and is currently on the board of trustees for the Iowa Pharmacy Association. Some of Nancy's areas of interest are disease state education, quality improvement and clinical pathways, and internal reviews and outcomes evaluations. I can't wait to learn more on all of this. Well, Nancy, thanks for being here with me today. As we get started, maybe you can talk a little bit about your background, where you grew up, about your family, and your pharmacy experience at Drake University.
0: Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for having me. It's such an honor to be number 29. I was shocked that it wasn't a higher number before you got to me, so thank you for that. I am an Iowa girl. I grew up in a small town in Iowa called Harlan and not a lot of folks had gone to Drake University from Harlan so I didn't have a lot of exposure to Drake but I knew that I wanted to be in the medical field and I thought you know that I would maybe not do so well as a doctor Uh, (laughs) so I chose pharmacy honestly as sort of the you know the next best thing and uh, it's obviously been a choice that I've never regretted uh, but, you know, I visited Drake and I was a very small town girl with not a lot of financial means and and very sheltered. And, you know, the way that they took me in, even in the interview, sort of sold me on the place and obviously never regretted that decision either. It's just been a wonderful opportunity for me to be uh, educated at Drake, but then to continue to stay in touch with folks there and, and work on Drake's behalf with new students, you know, even students that are already in the program and um, helping to shape the program, so I've stayed very involved with, with Drake over the years. And it's wonderful. I live in Des Moines, so it's easy for me to run over there and do meetings or be involved, you know, teach a class here or there, so that's been that's been really nice.
1: I love that. I think it's really helpful for people to learn that, you know, you make this decision and, you know, at that point in your life, you think that's the right decision and that you've stayed connected and involved. And, you know, I know that I'm grateful that we've been able to re-engage through efforts with the College of Pharmacy, serving on the National Advisory Council. And I agree with you that connection to current students or prospective students is so important and so fun to see how much has changed, but also I think how much has stayed the same, the connection that Drake has with families and with students and making them feel welcome and that they have a home and they have a home in Des Moines. So thank you. That's, that's really, really neat. You know, in the past year, we've talked a lot about home and being home and staying home. And so, you know, there have been through these stay home times, some silver linings. And, you know, some of those silver linings are more time with family, the ability to work on hobbies or start new ones. So what's that look like for you? How has the season been for you?
0: Yeah, that's been, you know, very interesting to stay home and, and really not navigate and not have kids with a lot of activities. And you know, honestly, I have children that are high school age. I have a senior and a sophomore, and just the general slowdown of our lives, and you know, the pause from the busyness of their schedules and and our schedules combined has been some somewhat heartbreaking. You know, to see them miss events and things like that, but it's also been very much a silver lining for our family. You know, with more dinners, more you know games played as many people have done uh, through the pandemic and just tons of time spent together with them that we wouldn't normally have been able to do and especially when you talk about having a senior that's getting ready to go away and your time is limited and you know I've really soaked up the the time uh, with him as well as it's been interesting helping him navigate the whole college decision and not being as certain as we could back then, you know, when I did visits or things like that, um, it's been a whole different experience. But I've also done, you know, other things to sort of infuse joy and fun in our time. And I've, I've got, a huge set of bird feeders right outside my office window. So I get to enjoy watching my little characters come every day for their food. And, you know, lots of people have picked up crafts and and different things like that. And I have an interest, I guess, in in charcuterie and appetizer and cheese boards. And I've kind of elevated that a little bit more throughout the pandemic, although I was doing quite a bit of it before. But those are just a few things that we've we've done. I tend to be pretty crafty, so I, I do lots of different crafts.
1: I love that. It's interesting, too. I've heard from others who have teenagers that the staying home and, you know, not having to go to practices or if they were on sports teams that traveled, that it was, you know, such a shift. But it's also been so nice to have people around the dinner table or you know breakfast because some of those practices can be so early in the morning that that's been nice. And I love about the boards that you've worked on. Do you have a favorite um, that you've made in the last several months? Oh gosh,
0: you know I really I've started them a long time ago, just putting together appetizers and putting it on a board, and I would often take pictures of them. And as you might know, you know the the interest in charcuterie and it's got a very specific look now. Yeah. It's really evolved over the last year. So, I think just, you know, evolving what I do and and how it looks has been probably the biggest thing that's memorable, but I created a specific board for my mother-in-law to gift her hairdresser of all things and I we put some specialized cookies on it and it just had a a beautiful look to it so that's probably one of my favorites it was it was a holiday board and the colors just all turned out right and uh, we knew that it was going to somebody to enjoy and I think that's probably one of the, the fun things is gifting it to someone.
1: Yeah. You know, you talking about it though, is making me think that I want to try one. You know, sometimes (laughs) I see the pictures, try making one. We've had the ingredients, you know, we'll have some prosciutto or I'll have little crackers or the fig jam or whatever. But then I think, could I make it as look as good as some of these? But I, I think what you're saying is you should just try it and then put it together and continue to learn from it. And that it doesn't have to be perfect or a certain way, like however you do it, you can make it work. Does that sound absolutely. right? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think first of all, it's a little bit like wine. You know, there's no reason to be snobbish over, over what thing you you should drink, what you like. And I think right. it's the same thing with circuitry. You should put on the board what you like. There's no rules, and you know it doesn't have to be big and elaborate. If there's only two of you, you make it small, and you make it a couple bites of different things and the other thing that I think can can help is doing your research you know there's lots of books there's people on Instagram that really are pros at this and you can pick up tips oh I like how they you know incorporated this cheese or I like how they cut this cheese and so you can get all kinds of ideas if you're really serious about it but the main thing I think is just to enjoy it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to put that on my to-do list and that'll be a spring activity for sure. Yeah. And I will let you know how it goes and maybe even text you a picture after.
0: There you go. That would be wonderful.
1: So, you know, we talked about your experience in pharmacy school at Drake. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today and who some of your mentors and maybe influences both, you know, pre and post pharmacy school. What does that look like for you? Well, when I was at
0: Drake. I worked for a local pharmacy in Des Moines called Richard's Pharmacy that a lot of people around Iowa are familiar with. Uh, Mark Richards was the owner, and he's really, you know, if you want to talk about a mentor, he's my original mentor, I would say, uh, that had a lot of impact on me going, you know, just how I wanted to practice pharmacy, the kind of person I wanted to be. You know, he gave me good advice about being involved in the profession and that I should, you know, definitely be part of the Pharmacy Association and not just be a part of it, but be active. And I'll remember that he said, you know, a lot of people before came before you that really shaped the profession and you owe those people back to continue that and to continue to shape the profession. So that's something that's always stuck with me. And yeah, that's a,
1: that's a good one
0: yeah and he he was instrumental in getting me to go to uh, Iowa has a young leadership conference that has changed maybe changed its format a little bit over time but is still around and it is quite a legacy for leadership in in pharmacy in Iowa and i thought at the time like i'm just a you know pharmacist at a chain It's crazy that he thinks I should go to a leadership conference, but really that's what it's all about is how do you sort of develop that professional side and and what do you want to do and how do you want to give back to the profession? So anyway, he was he was an original mentor for me and has stayed a good friend and mentor for many, many years. But I would say, so I worked for chain for a while and then I went to more of a staff model clinic uh-huh. uh, where I was able to work with physicians and pharmacists closely. and then from there, I went to the association and actually worked in their for-profit business, which was clinical so a lot of T work and drug utilization review and i have to say melissa i have worked with really strong women over the years i've always been really fortunate uh, to have lots of really good role models around me so those, those of you from Iowa and maybe even, you know, people that aren't from Iowa will know uh, Cheryl Clark oh,
1: yeah. and
0: Julie Cool were two of the people that I worked with at the association that, you know, I just gleaned so much about professional involvement, how to treat other professionals, work-life balance, all, all sorts of things from those two. And then from there, I went on to a pharmaceutical company And had just a wonderful manager for a number of years that I learned so much from. Her name was Ann Sledden And we just were like two peas in a pod. And I I just, you know, to see how she handled people, handled herself professionally. And so I've really, you know, been fortunate to have some amazing uh, women surround me, not just as role models, but really surround me in practice. Yeah. So that's been wonderful.
1: You know, I appreciate that you talked about Mark Richards and the important role that preceptors can play, you know, in our careers. And I also worked at Richards Pharmacy when I was a student. And like you, I I learned many life lessons from him and, you know, that he had was a multi-generation pharmacist that his dad, I, th- I believe, had owned the pharmacy before him. And, you know, just some of the things that he taught, I, I think he was a great one where by observing and seeing what he did, like he would, he would share lessons and pearls with you. But I also just, I found observed how he was with patients and the care that he provided was remarkable. So, you know, I think for our preceptors that are out there who are, you know, working with our student pharmacists every day or work with residents, you know, we just want to say thank you because it's such an important role. And I, I would say that many of the lessons that I learned early on during those experiential experiences, and you've, you've echoed this, we carry with us, you know, throughout our lives. So.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. So I have to tell you a quick Mark story. So one of the other, so I told you about staying involved in the profession and owing, you know, owing back your, your guidance and your leadership to the profession. But his other lesson that stuck with me is, you know, he said, and he always called me Nance, Nance you're going to make enough money that you need to, from your first check, start saving. And he called it, this is an older term, pay yourself first.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And, you know, he said, you are going to make enough that you should not spend everything that you make. And if you start spending everything that you make, it's going to be hard to start saving later. And so pay yourself first from the first check. And it's interesting, and I've shared this with him many times, those two pieces of advice, I tell every student that I come in contact with and attribute it back to him and and tell them both things have served me extremely well we just had the pay yourself first discussion last night with our 18 year old and we're describing what it means and he's starting to get into listening to dave ramsey podcasts and um so we explain that whole thing so it's just funny like you said you really do carry those things on with you and i've tried to do him the you know sort of the service of not just carrying it on but passing it on
1: yeah passing it on for sure well, and again, I also we'll, we'll try to make sure that Mark gets to listen to this interview down the road. And um, one of my really best friends from pharmacy school, Carrie Herbixmeyer Greenwood, worked for Mark and was part of Richard's Pharmacy for years and years. So we'll loop Carrie in because I know this whole discussion will make her smile, and she learned so many lessons from Mark too over the years. And
0: yeah, well, and Carrie was the so he always hired different class. You know, people from different classes, so their schedules were different, and I was always opposite Carrie.
1: Oh, my gosh, that's that's, so funny. I didn't realize that.
0: that's That's the time frame when I was there.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. And, you know, I just remember the loyalty that the patient base had. And just the care that went on in that pharmacy, you know, it was a real model. Um, and as you know, things were changing in the profession and changing in the environment around him. So shout out to Mark. We'll we'll definitely follow up with him, and that's really great. I love as you were describing your career path, and you know, you talked about the clinical role that you had at the Iowa Pharmacy Association. And you know, in the introduction, I talked about now that you're serving on the board of trustees in a volunteer leadership role. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, how does that feel? You know, you've, you've been on the inside and then now you're in a external um, volunteer leadership role. Tell me, tell me more about some of the things you're working on, on the board of trustees.
0: Sure. That's, that's funny because it's been 19 or 20 years since I worked there. Uh And so, you know, we, we have this saying, once a staff member, always a staff member. And you sort of feel like, you know, I have. Have a kinship there's there's obviously people working there now that that did work there when I was there, and we've had you know long term friendships and but you sort of feel like you're still part of the staff, yeah yet most people don't remember me i mean it's been a long time since I've been there, and there's a lot of new faces as well, so that's been an interesting position to be in. Um, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. So one thing that I will say is I've been slated for the board, I think two or three times, at least three times Uh and didn't always, didn't always win the Uh election. Okay. And, you know, I think it's one of those things that if you're asked to run, I always felt like just running was sort of, something I could do professionally to support the association like they need to have people that are interested to run they need to fill those ballots and if someone else wins the election that's fine but so I've always said yes when they when I get the question you know can we slate you and I really did not expect to to win this time Uh, one of the the virtues of living in Des Moines is you know Drake University is here and I often would be slated versus a Drake faculty. And if people don't know the names, they would look at the background and say, oh, Drake faculty, I'll vote for them. If that if That's at least my um, yeah, yeah. philosophy of why I wasn't winning. Uh, but so this time I'm a trustee at large, which I think is funny. They found a way for me to to slide in there. But, you know, right now, obviously, it's such a wonderful time, but also a challenging time for pharmacy with covid and with pharmacists being in such a huge role with vaccine deployment and also just being accessible healthcare providers right now. So a lot of our work is really focused, you know, around COVID, around how to make sure that our members are ready to go with interviews or with the services that they need to provide. Always part of a board is looking at sort of your strategic direction and, you know, where are we headed the right way and what should we be working on for the future? So we've been through some strategic exercises about vision and future. Uh, So it's it's been a really exciting time, I think, to be on the board.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's a great, and I appreciate that you shared that you ran for office more than once. And I've had other guests on the Melissa Arkscripts podcast talk about that, that you just sort of never know. And also, you know, the, the way that the things play out, they happen the way that they should, whatever that is. And I've tried to say that same thing with student pharmacists and with um, residents that I mentor, that especially this past year and a half with year year plus with COVID, We just never know and even like you know having your name put forward for an election like that is great that you did it and that also you did it more than once and i think that that shows too kind of resilience and also you know it it needs to be the right time and whatever that means you know that's the right time for you and i think you know the experiences and the ideas that you just shared about strategy and, you know, the pharmacists as accessible healthcare providers, your leadership right now is, you know, the kind of the right leadership at the right time. So thank you for sharing that. When I was introducing you and going over to kick off the podcast, I talked about your career path in the pharmaceutical industry. And I think that's a topic that's very interesting and one that sometimes student pharmacists have an idea about it and other times, you know, they don't know as much, you know, they might just understand it a little bit So tell me more about, you know, your career path in in pharma and in the industry, and what would you say are the options for student pharmacists who want to learn more, and are there experiential learning options for them?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Melissa. Uh, I try really hard to be almost an ambassador for pharmacist roles in industry because it's not very well known to students and really even to other pharmacists, to be honest, And, you know, there are a number of medical roles or medical things that you're trying to accomplish as a pharmaceutical industry. You need to answer difficult questions that maybe would not be appropriate for a representative. You need to answer deep therapeutic questions. Sometimes you need to answer off label questions of providers. You need to cultivate study sites. You need to be Providing the latest research to key opinion leaders. You might be, you know, working with key opinion leaders to become speakers. You might be, you know, developing educational materials around a disease state, you know, and the list goes on. I mean, national quality measures are now such a, a huge thing for our healthcare systems. And if you have a particular product that's in an area that has a quality measure, you might be helping. People to understand or, or work with that quality measure. You might be doing outcomes research, statistics. There's there's so many areas of expertise that pharmacists may have that align to the different types of things that a pharmaceutical company is trying to accomplish. That there's actually many roles in the industry right. for pharmacists. And I even had a classmate who was you know more of a marketer slash pharmacist, and he was on one of our national marketing teams. So there's, and there's pharmacy law, there's lots of room for, for uh, lawyers in the industry as well. So, you know, one of the things that I try to do is, is take students regularly just for a couple hours to explain, you know, what, what pharma is trying to accomplish with their medical roles and how every company does it slightly differently. And how to sort of evaluate those roles and, and figure out, you know, if there's a part of it or a piece of it that is of interest to you, you know, for instance, working with the payers in an area to make sure that they understand a new product and understand how it could be covered or what the, you know, different nuances uh, might be. And so there's, there's just a lot of, of ways you can go that people aren't really aware of in industry.
1: Well, I love that you shared that your interest and your passion, and I can hear it in your voice about serving <laughs> as an ambassador you know, for pharma. And I think you have done such a wonderful job right now of talking through with our listeners just some of the options, but I think it reinforces to be open, right? And that there's so many things that a pharmacy degree, your career could be foundational for. And if you think that you might have interest in industry to explore it a little bit more, right?
0: Absolutely, and I think you know one of the one of the ways that I was exposed to it. So when I was working doing P and T work and drug utilization review, is different pharmaceutical companies would call on us and want to give us information, you know, to, before we would make decisions or do reviews, and you know there were folks that were calling on us that maybe we were, you know, more excited to see and others that maybe didn't offer as much value, but it really shaped my thoughts around how the job could be done and who was doing it well and and I think part of part of being open to hearing that kind of information is you can take the information and still make your own informed decisions and you know, decide if what was presented to you is a is value or not, or, you know, you like the way they did the research or not, or how applicable is this to me, but being open to those types of interactions is really what exposes you to the different roles and can kind of be what gets your foot in the door, or at least get you interested and in see what roles are available. And so that's really my biggest thing is not to just be open about where your career might go, but to be open with those interactions with different people, because you never know, you know, when something is really going to hit you and, and become sort of your niche.
1: Yeah. You know, I think you really touched on something about, and we've heard this from some other guests about how relationships can matter so much and nurturing them and being open to explore them. And, you know, I think sometimes when we hear networking, you know, people don't really understand what that means, but that the bottom line is connections and relationships and staying in touch with people. And then when you you might not reach out for a while, I mean, I, I think we're fortunate here in Iowa as being part of the Iowa pharmacy family too, that there's such strength in pharmacy within our state. And then, you know, that has been adopted nationally for many things. And so these relationships make such a difference.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the gal that called on me in particular back in my days at the Pharmacy Association, whenever she would, you know, show up, first of all, she was enjoyable. She was lots of fun. She was bubbly, but she was very academic. Yeah. She was very helpful to me. She helped me do a project. She helped me actually publish it. And I thought, this is something that I could do, you know. And so I think about the influence that she had on me. She's, you know, a longtime friend now and still is in the same company that I am. But just being open to that interaction and and then seeing her spin on that position is probably really what influenced me. And then I think about, you know, some of the customers even that she handed off to me, those relationships and how important they've been to years of work you know that i've been able to accomplish with different uh customers and it it really is relationship based you know i think it's they keep us around because the work is good and the resources have been valuable but it's a lot of it is like you say about the relationships
1: yeah they make such a difference well you know a lot of times on this podcast today we've talked about things that have worked out and have been positive but you and I both know that in life there's often things that don't work out or there's challenges. So, how would you describe or what would you share with our listeners about tough times and when things don't work out as planned? What's been your experience on that one?
0: Well, you know, we're we're as a company, we're embracing this concept of grit. And you may have heard the author of this wonderful book, her name is Angela Duckworth, and she talks a lot about grit and how talent can weigh in, but really, the really successful people have grit. And it's, you know, just being determined about what you want, your vision, and and then putting in the work. And it just, it reminds me of kind of a funny story. So I, I spoke about, you know, my path to this company. And I remember I was speaking at AMCP one time and one of the folks from this company heard me and said, We'd, you know, you should really think about this role. We should We should try to hire you. We'd love to you know, have you? And and then they found out that I didn't have a farm D at the time, uh-huh. and I had just been, you know, as I said, admiring this gal and how she'd worked with me and and appreciating the way she was doing the role. And I was like, I really think that, you know, even if I can't have that role, maybe I should go ahead and get my farm D. Well, in in the meantime, they sent me an application, and I thought, well, I I guess I'll fill it out, you know, for this role, even though they said they wouldn't hire me. And I sent it to the hiring manager, only I misspelled her name. <laughs> and uh, I think she just threw it in the trash and said, you know, she doesn't have a PharmD. We can't we can't really look at her. But, you know, years later, I look back and I think, first of all, it led me to a PharmD program. And right. I I kind of said to my husband, you know, I'm precepting these kids. In a couple months, it's going to be Dr. So-and-so, and I'm still Nancy. And, you know, I think I want to do a PharmD program just for myself. And it may not lead me to pharma. It may not lead me to a different role. But I just, I feel like I want that now. And come to find out I was in the program three or four months and then got another chance to interview with this company and was hired because I was in a program. So I didn't even have to have it completed. So I think that's another lesson, you know, it's just not giving up and, and doing things you know, that you think will develop you and doing it for yourself as well can lead to having those doors open.
1: Yeah. Well, and I also, you know, you reference Grit and Angela Duckworth, and I'm also familiar with her work. We um, did quite a bit of that when I was at ACT, focused on equity and just learning and all of that. And I think grit has been so important for all of us, you know, during the COVID times, you know, to just kind of think through, because, you know, we would have something a certain way and then it would change, or we, you know, there might be plans and then there's not plans. And so, you know, just being resilient and stick the perseverance, the persistence sticking to it. Um, And then also what can I learn from it? You know, I think that's a big part too. And, you know, you talked about that is, you know, what were those lessons that move forward? Well, you know, our time together is coming to a close. And on all of the Melissa Rx Scripts podcasts, I ask my guests at the end, you know, while I have you, is there one prescription or life lesson you'd like to share with others or comment on in the spirit of Melissa Rx Scripts? And you've already shared several good ones, but I'm looking forward to what you might have to say to bring us home.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. And I was going to say, I have shared a few things about, you know, being involved in the profession and shaping the future and those type of things. But you know, I think day-to-day is important for people, and it's, as you mentioned, it's especially important right now. I actually did a little bit of a life coaching program with a life coach, and one of the things that she encouraged me to do was to create a joy list. And she said, you know, you can put, you know, vacations at the beach or ski vacations or, you know, the big things that we look forward to. And those definitely are joy bringing, they they bring you joy. But I would encourage you to have things in every day, have options in every day that bring you joy so that you can intentionally experience joy. I mean, really What are we here for if we're not, you know, having sort of a a good time through all these trials and tribulations? And so, you know, walks in nature, even, you know, if a good cup of coffee is really your jam, then make that cup of coffee, sit down and really, really enjoy it though, and say this is my time. And so I mentioned, you know, one of the things that I did was put a bunch of bird feeders right outside my window of my office, and. Of course my family thinks I'm insane. I've become this, you know, crazy bird lady, but You know, I'll sit there with a cup of coffee and, you know, the usual suspects come by and I've got different woodpeckers and, you know, squirrels that have names now. And it's just, it's brought me some joy. So the other thing is we have a a neighborhood owl that we've been hearing at night. And so I've made it my mission to try to see him, to try to spot him at some point. Um, And, you know, if you can't, if you can't have fun and have some joy in every day, then it's It's really kind of sad. So, you know, last night my 16 year old grabbed me and we did a little dance in the kitchen. And I kind of mentally marked those things down too, because otherwise you can kind of get bogged down and not realizing that you're experiencing those good moments.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, Nancy. I mean, that is finding joy in the little moments um, and what those look like. And I think with the length of how, the time we've been dealing with COVID-19. And then for many of us across the country, and we know in certain parts of the country, these last few days have been very, very difficult with weather and catastrophic storms and all of that. So, you know, finding the joy in the little moments, whether it's with a cup of coffee or sitting down to journal or dancing with your son. I love that. I mean, you know, that that'll be something probably down the road you'll think about. Well, I just wanna say thank you for your time today and sharing your insights with me. This has been so much fun and I know we could go on and on. This is the Melissa Scripts podcast and I wanna thank our listeners and encourage you to follow me on social media. I also wanna say a special thank you to Kate Cruz with Executive Podcast Solution who helps us make the magic happen. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Thank you so much, Melissa. This has been wonderful. It's been a part of the joy of of today and uh, I look forward to hearing it. So thank you so much for having me.